The theme of this reflection is first fruits, that is, the saints of the end times. First, let us invoke the Holy Spirit. This is a talk that is difficult to grasp. We need the Holy Spirit for everything. And we pray for Mother Mary's intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. In the previous uh, teaching, we talked about pure incense based on Revelation chapter 8. This is like a sequel, First Fruits, The Saints of the End Times. So let us begin by listening to the first five verses of chapter 14 in the book of Revelation. Then I looked, and there was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sing a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures, and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. These follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They have been redeemed from humankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, and they are blameless. So now let us ponder this. The Lamb is standing victorious. That's the Lamb that was slain, but has resurrected. By standing up, St. John is letting us know that she is in control. She has power and authority over everything that is going on. And with the Lamb, which is Jesus, the 144,000, and we'll go over that, the meaning of that number a little later. So, where is the Lamb standing? On Mount Zion. Mount Zion is where the temple of Jerusalem stood, and now it means the heavenly Jerusalem is the place of encounter with the living God. And so, this is important, there is battle going on, there is suffering, persecution, the beasts are still loose, because in chapter 14, we see power and victory of God, but it's going on at the same time than what is going on in chapter 13, which we saw the beast 
uh, doing all the harm. So there's the the Lamb and the 144,000 are in Mount Zion. We hear about Mount Zion also in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 22. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in feast gathering, and so on. So we have come in touch with heaven. We are in communion with heaven. We're not on earth by ourselves. And we share in the power of God, even through trials and sufferings. This is an important point, because the Lord did not come to take us away from the battle, but that we are able to win the battle with him, even though we die martyrs. So the persecution and union with Christ occur simultaneously. And then we see uh, that the saints are sealed on their foreheads. It's written the name of Jesus and his father. So not only the scroll is sealed. Remember the scroll that had the seven seals and only the Lord Jesus could open uh, the seals and reveal the good news of salvation. Well, only Christ can break open our hearts to the truth and take us out of the prison of the oppression of the enemy of Satan. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus into my life and open the seals and put your seal upon me. So only Christ can do this. And only he should have ultimate access and authority over your life and my life. Something interesting about this, uh, this seal is found in Ezekiel chapter 9, verses 3 to 6, where it says that the angel marks with the Greek letter tau, which is a letter in the shape of a cross on the forehead of the righteous. And so we are sealed for God with the sign of the cross written on our foreheads. And in Revelations 14, we see that the 144,000 are sealed with the names of Jesus and his Father. But notice that also the beast marks his followers with his seal, his name or number, the 666. We see that in Revelations 13. So at the end, there are two ways. You choose God or you belong to the beast. So there's no middle ground. The lukewarm either repent or will be assimilated into the world and damned. And so the Lord's mercy is upon us and he, he wants us to come out of the lukewarmness, come into his side, be sealed by him, receive the Holy Spirit, live fully our Christian life. So a seal is not just a, an exterior sign, it's a sign of belonging. 
is a sign of commitment to a way of life. The soldiers of the Roman army were sealed in their forearms with the mark of their commander. And they were willing to give their lives in battle. And so are Christians. We are sealed with the sign of our commander. And we are in a battle. And we are not going to step back for fear. And my brothers and sisters, the trials can be very great. And if we're depending on our own energies and our own logic, we are going to be scared. We are going to run away. And this is what is at stake. So those sealed with the name of Jesus and his Father belong to God, are united to him, and are attentive to his word. They are under his anointing and protection, enabling them to endure the trials and obtain victory. Again, I say, God does not spare us from trials. In the book of Revelations, we see many martyrs. And Luke 21, 16, the Lord tells us, they will put some of you to death, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. That's why a father of the church said, they can kill us, but they cannot harm us. But we're meant to be willing to be killed in order not to be harmed by being damned. So where are, when are Christians sealed in baptism? That's when we receive the seal, and the seal is the Holy Spirit. So when we make the sign of the cross, we should make it every day, we are renewing our baptism and professing our faith. And we say in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are soldiers and we are committed and we have this vision right on our forehead of who we are and who we serve. But we then must live it because Christ makes his grace fully available to all, but the fruits of the sacraments also depend on the disposition of the ones who receives them. And so says the Catechism in number 1,128. So, in the introduction to the simple path to union with God in our community, it states, the new life we received in baptism is like a tiny seed meant to grow into a full life in Christ. The purpose of our time on earth, then, is to pursue this growth along a path of continuous transformation. This is the path to Calvary, where we partake in Christ's sacrifice of love to the Father and partake of the life of the Trinity. And so, how sad it would be to be baptized and then not have the disposition. And so, the purpose of the simple path to union with God in our community is to pursue this continuous growth, walking with Jesus onto the cross. And he will take away the fears by the power of love. And in the Love Crucified 
community covenant, we are sealed before the Blessed Sacrament when we commit to live our baptismal vocation, to seek the fullness of Christ. How does the covenant begin? Heavenly Father, moved by your love and your grace, in union with the Blessed Virgin Mary, my mother, and the family of love crucified, I resolve to deny myself, to take up my cross daily, and to follow Jesus, who is love crucified. And how does it end? The covenant ends, Every movement of my soul shall say with Christ, Suffer all with me, no longer two but one, in my sacrifice of love. Amen. Think of a marriage. In the day of the wedding, they covenant, see? But what use is that if we don't if they don't live it for the rest of their lives? And so the covenant they made needs to be exercised, and so is ours. So next we see in the vision of Revelation, we see a theophany, which means an experience of the presence of God. And how is that? Music, harps, running waters, thunder. It's like God is being manifest through those signs. And the saints sing a new hymn before the throne of God. What is a new hymn? It's a new language a new way of seeing everything in light of the grace received. This leads to a new life in Christ. We are living the freedom of the children of God with a vision of what God has given us. We have the fire that God came to set upon the earth. We have that fire in our souls, in our hearts. And this is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 51, where it says, those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing. And notice that no one could learn the hymn except the 144,000 who had been ransomed. Why? Because to sing the hymn, it requires a relationship with Christ. And those who don't have this intimacy with Christ cannot learn, nor understand, nor sing the hymn, of course, unless they convert. For them, this new hymn is nonsense. Especially the cross for them is nonsense. Is this not what so many think of the grace that we have received? If you are on fire with the Lord, if you are living the new life, I bet that you find a lot of people who think you're crazy, who do not relate to what you're living because they do not know the new hymn. You see how real that is? Now, the Lamb and the 140,000 standing at Mount Zion in the temple, are the first fruits. Why 144,000? It's a symbolic number. 12 are the tribes of Israel, 12 are the apostles, 1,000 
is the largest military unit under a single commander in Israel. And so we have the Old Testament, the New Testament, and we are all one great army now united in Christ, who is our commander. So this imagery reveals that we are warriors to withstand the persecution and fight against Satan's deception and seduction. What does it mean, not defiled by women? I mean, not defiled with women. Well, during a military campaign, Israel's soldiers were required abstinence from sexual relations. So this means you're fully attentive to the mission. Of course, the 144,000 is a metaphor, and in reality, the multitude that it represents, it's men, women, children, but they're all attentive to the Lord. They are all willing to deny themselves and sacrifice in order to, to be in the campaign of the battle that we are fighting. And they follow the lamb wherever he goes. And where does the lamb go? Ultimately, to the cross. And so we need to leave everything behind to follow the Lord, to do the Lord's will. So now we come to first fruits. These are the first fruits of God and the lamb. First fruits in the Old Testament meant the first and the best of the harvest, and that is given to God. So those having been ransomed give themselves totally to God, and that means they are victim souls. Victim souls meaning that they belong to God, not to themselves anymore. And the first fruits of the human race, because we offer ourselves to prepare the way to those who will follow. And the first fruits are unblemished. That means it's something worthy to be offered to God, not something stained. And we are all stained, but we are made unblemished by participation in the life of the Lamb. And that's why we need to be purified and converted. And that's a whole lifetime process, but we are on the way. And those 145,000, they do not have deceit because they are not from Satan, who is the deceiver. That means they do not compromise with the lies of the world, but hold firm to the truth, willing to pay the price. They do not fool themselves. They know their nothingness and the power of God. And so an essential reality to be part of the 144,000 is profound humility and trust in God who guides us. God bless you.